welcome to episode 588 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm going to get a uh, desk topper that's completely made of pillows, <laughs> so all of my movements are not picked up by the microphone. Well, I think you should just get a nice mat of marshmallow, and then, you mm. know, when you've eaten all the marshmallow, the show's over. Oh, okay. Every week I have to get a new one? <laughs> yes. It's just okay. like, and figure out how much marshmallow you need for the right amount of time. And you're like, okay, that's the right amount of marshmallow. And as soon as you take that last bite, it's like, you know, don't be a faucet, be a drain. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's like, oh, we're in the middle of something. Oh, we got to end the show. I'm out of marshmallow. <laughs> that's right. And by the way, I'm using my catchphrase, the show's not over. It's not no. a short show. Now, would it count if instead of marshmallow, I, it was like a bed of like, say, circus peanuts? Uh, they're disgusting, but yes, you could use those. Aren't they just like marshmallow with like orange dye number three or something in them? And uh, uh, bad flavoring. I think <laughs> this is the official term. The, fla- like, the flavor name is bad for yeah. the circus peanuts. Do we have any extra bad flavor around here? Yeah. <laughs> I'll still eat a circus peanut over those dehydrated marshmallows they give you in cereal. Oh, no, no, no. I'll take those. But I will take the circus peanut over the candy corn. Now, see, I'll take the candy corn over the circus. I'll take the – there's there's oh. a lot of big-name candy. We're going to write – remember we did the, uh, the gummy rankings a few months ago on After Dark? Yes, peach rings still have a, <laughs> a place in my heart, Joe. That's right. Uh, next week we're going to do, uh, do like, uh, I'm going to have you compile a list Ugh. of different candies. This is a teaser. That's how we get people to do it into after dark. If they don't, right. you're going to get a list of popular candies, right? Mm-hmm. And I say candies, I mean any candy. Okay. Right. And I'm going to tell you if I prefer candy corn over them, <laughs> any type of candy, anything. All right. I like I'll tell you, I'll tell you like off the rip. Candy corn or Reese's peanut butter cup, Reese's peanut butter cup wins. Right. Because you're not you're not a monster. I'm not I'm a monster, but I'm not that much of a monster. Right. right? You're not you're a monster, but you're not a monster monster. Correct. Right. But like oh and I'll, and this is a tease. Candy corn or Milky Way? I'm going candy corn. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to do this episode. It might be the end of the show. And we bought all those previews. So, hey, what do we got uh, on the show here today? In news, Marvel uh, is going to be printing an omnibus of a character they may want to fold into the Marvel Universe. Um, CGC teams up with George Perez for a signing. Um, Conventions, uh, we have. Digital sales. What we read last week, and I don't want to give up the ghost too early, but one book has a great premise and one, just a terrible take. Uh, you'll figure out which one is which. So we have the Human Target 3 and Timeless 1. A fresh start to what we're looking forward to this week. The Roker Dynasty begins again. Um, also, no longer do we have uh, the Clone Saga and Jonah Hex for Todd and Joe have issues. We have uh, the Silver Standard of Rogues Galleries Tournament, which we'll get to and explain. Also, at the end, we, I don't believe we have any art attacks, so we will have a spoiler-filled talk of the first episode of the F- Book of Boba Fett, and Joe rang in the New Year the right way, because we're going to talk about Doctor Who New Year's Eve uh, Day special. 
New Year's Day special. I'm going to give you a preview of my notes on uh, those two things. Okay. Boba Fett, I've written down 37 (laughs) minutes. Doctor Who, I have 58 minutes and a frowny face. Oh, because it wasn't longer, Joe? Oh, my God. All right. Enough of your shenanigans. Uh, So, uh, I don't want to say spoiler, but it might be um, for a thing. I don't know. Uh, It was announced this week that Marvel is going to finally uh, publish the entire Miracle Man uh, omnibus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Granted, not that one issue that never came out, or maybe that one issue is going to come out in this. Hmm, and I wonder that what... we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, when Marvel purchased uh, Marvel Man slash Miracle Man all those years ago, everyone was kind of waiting with bated breath of what they were going to do with it, and they never did nothing with it. And now it's solicited to come out um, September of this year. And actually, it looks like um, that issue twenty two is not in there, but there are a bunch of like other like weirdo appearances and stuff. Do you and, mean 25? Oh, 25. My apologies. Right, because all the Miracle Men up to 24 came out. 25th, 25 was the one that was solicited, but never came out. And I wonder how many years ago that was. Uh, but anyway. Mm. It was uh, 29 to 31 years ago, somewhere yes, in there. Yes, somewhere in there. Uh, but this, it, and again, it looks like a weird collection, of course. It's like 1 to 18, 20 to 21. Then the second series of 1, 3, 6 to 16. Uh, the special from number one, something called A1 number one, and then the one thing that Marvel did uh, eight years ago where they did like an annual. Right. Um, and I, I'm, I've never read Miracle Man other than a couple of Neil Gaiman issues later, so I'm kind of thinking about maybe getting this. I don't mm-hmm. know. I want to see what that missing issue is, if it was like a fill-in or something like that, and like because then maybe I wouldn't want it if it's important. Um, but I do like the fact that, like, uh, because he pulled his name off the uh, issue, the issues to Alan Moore, you know what I mean? That I think the way they're going to uh, give people credit is going to be like, oh, Gaiman, Toddlebin, Davis. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like all the other names that are in the book, and then and more, M O R E. But that sounds a lot like Moore, so they still are crediting him as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So I don't so... know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how that works out with paying or crediting or anything. Uh, Alan Moore, who is, you know, the person I would assume is most uh, closely associated with this character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I guess Marvel took their sweet time in getting this out. There must be a reason why they're doing it, right? Could be, could be. Maybe they got the rights worked out. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. So that's interesting that they're finally getting around to that. Um, Todd also mentioned at the beginning of the show, we had mentioned this a couple weeks ago, um, of course, and this almost went over into the grading on you section, um, (laughs) but, uh, it was announced, um, that George Perez for 2022 has announced, um, his final, like, signing events and stuff. Right, yeah. Uh, he was just at a convention this past weekend. And he has partnered up with CGC um, to do a private signing 
sort of thing where it's going to have like a George Perez signature series header on the top of the stuff. And it's going to, you have to have it in by the end of this month. Right. Like it's the, I guess they call it the official term is the label that goes at the top of the, you know, the sealed up book, which, you know, they've done a few, like they did uh, like some Spider-Man ones for Spider-Man books, blah, blah, blah. And like, I was never, I thought they were cool depending on the art and stuff like that. That wasn't my bag. But the fact that like they're using a George Perez uh, drawing of George Perez, like I, all of it I'm really cool with because um, and I, this is the one time that I would really like to see CGC kind of step up and just be like, if if they don't give all the like, obviously George Perez gets a cut of the money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to see the CGC say we're either going to give our cut to George Perez or take their cut and give it to Cancer Research. You know what I mean. Something like that. And I understand signing and grading is a business, but I'd like to either one, see it all go to George and his family or for research. That's the way I look at it anyway. It's something. Right. But to tell you the truth, Joe, if I could send anything in to get signed, I would download a picture of Dan, the man Lee with, (laughs) with, uh, with uh, uh, Mr. Lopez, uh, what was his name again? George Lopez, I believe. Oh no, wait, it was, was George Perez. So I do like the fact that on, on Dan Lee's page, he had mistaken uh, or written down wrong that it was uh, George Lopez with that great comedy show. I understand, but uh, it was actually George Perez. How many should I put you down for if I order them, Joe? So, uh. Do you think Dan the Man Lee is cognitive or aware enough uh, or have his handlers, like, smartened him up enough to, like, enough comic book information to be dangerous? (laughs) I think it was just a harmless uh, autocorrect. You think so? And he hits, listen. You show some respect. This is Dan the Man Lee we're talking about. Uh-huh. It was an innocent mistake. That's all. It's the first one he's ever made. It's the last one he'll ever make. Yeah. And obviously what you said, like, we don't know what CGC is doing with their cut of the money. Yeah. Oh, um, one would certainly hope um, that they're going to take a little less of the VIG. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're only charging $75 per item. Um, you know, just this in and of itself, like on, like on the surface, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if this is enough to give, uh, CGC a pass for like a couple days, I guess, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not like, (laughs) it's not like paying someone's GoFundMe in full and me giving them a full calendar year or something. <laughs> oh, um, I'm in the know, but I can't talk about it. Uh, but I'm just trying to look at their actual site itself. Yeah, sometimes that's tough to navigate. Yeah. Well, it's, well again, that bunny's taking another bite because <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, turnaround time is six weeks. Um, if you're going to get the CCS pressing... Oh. And did we talk about pressing last week? I think we did. I think yeah. we did. 
Uh, That's when we were talking about pressing the, the invisible comics. Yeah, where they iron them out to make them more smoother. Right, um, and before you get there, they I did see a picture where they have all the different grades for those invisible comics. They go from 10 to like 9.9 to 9.5, 9, 8.5. So there's different gradings on those, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but the the pre- the pressing is an extra two weeks and an extra twenty bucks to get that done. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go see if see. The problem is any George Perez stuff that I have. Um, I would not want to say that it's beaten up by any stretch of the imagination, but they're definitely well loved and well read comic books, right? Right. And. You know, I'm not really a huge signature guy. Like, I'm more of a Mark Pick guy. I am, and I have my Mark Pick with him, so I'm happy. Yeah. Um, I do think, because I remember I met him when I got that picture taken. I was, that was, I got a doodle in my sketchbook. That was part of the deal. You got a couple signatures and some prints he got. And I, I'm trying to remember what I ended up getting signed from him. Because I was like, oh, if I'm getting free signatures, I'll get book signed. I think I got a crisis on infinite earth eight sign because of Barry Allen dying in it. Gotcha. That's what I went for. But if I was going to do something new and I wanted to invest because that's what CGC is for, I have a high grade, like on CGC, uh, first appearance of death stroke. That would be the book that I would invest in. If I was, going mm. to do it. I don't even know what it's worth. Probably nothing. I think I have remember heroes return. Mm hmm. I, and they and you remember those like the regular covers and the starburst covers for those yes. return books? Yes. I think I have um through I got it through Dynamic Forces just because like the the price was like really really good at the time and I had like mm-hmm. a couple extra bucks. It was signed by George Perez and it was the Avengers number one starburst cover. Okay. And I think I have that and I think that's the only thing. And I've probably never read that one, but I know like the other one that has like the big giant gatefold cover is, like, completely, like, a well-loved comic. Right. Well, um, maybe you should get that pressed. Yeah. I don't think they're getting... I don't think they're getting gravy stains pressed out of it, <laughs> is all I'm saying. I do love my Perez and gravy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's good on CGC for doing something nice. Um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, a lot of other companies come through for George Perez... And hopefully George Perez hangs in there a lot longer than he and the doctors and everyone else think he's gonna, you know? Here, here. So, uh, new year, new conventions have started up. The former Wizard World cons have been folded in. We probably did this story months and months ago with Fan Expo. Fan Expo New Orleans this weekend is taking over whatever the Wizard World New Orleans was going to be. And I will say the positive to this is in the past, the Wizard World conventions were kind of maybe sort of, I don't want to say shunned, but definitely not given the same press as a lot of other conventions because it would always be like the same block of celebrity guests at all of them and little to no comic book type folks. Yep. It was the Walking Dead convention. and Yeah. I mean, be, Doctor Who and others, and Star Wars, but yeah. But like every once in a while, they're like, oh, this year's thing is we have 
uh, Michael J. Fox, uh, Christopher Lee, and Leah Thompson together, you know? Yeah, yeah, they'd have those specific group photos that you'd be able to get. Yeah, so, um, but with them now, the old wizard conventions being folded into fan expo cons, there is actually a bigger comic book presence at these shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to say that you don't have the typical media guests. Uh, At this one, William Shatner, of course, Michael Rooker, and then because they're doing Clerks 3, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, Jeff Anderson, Brian O'Halloran, and the guy who played what was the character from Clerks 2 that nobody likes. Oh, the kid who liked the GoBots? Yes. I don't know, I, but uh, I know who you mean. I think he was in like one other movie since Clerks 2, so like he's been sitting by the phone finally waiting for that call for Clerks 3. So let him make his convention money. Um, you know, Todd and I will stay home with our uh, <laughs> Ooh, Navy SEALs scam, you know? Opportunity. Opportunity, my apologies. Uh, but on the comic book side of things, uh, Tony Harris is going to be there. Doc Shaner is going to be there. Larry Stroman's going to be there. Mark Russell's going to be there. And there's like a ton of other folks there. So... That's a positive. That's a thing that I missed because, like, in the olden days of the Wizard Conventions, they'd have just as many, if not more, uh, you know, comic book type folks. So I'm glad that they're kind of back into the fold with these conventions. Yep. Yep. And if you're in the greater New Orleans area and you're, you know, you got nothing to do this weekend and, uh, you know, you could play it safe, I guess, you know, give it a try. I don't know how much longer we'll be doing convention news, but fingers crossed across the entire world, you know? Right. Uh, you can also check out uh, Soon to Be Named Network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the network, all of our friends that have podcasts, anytime those shows go live, uh, obviously you can subscribe to the individual feeds or you could just get everything in one stop, and that's soon to be named network.com, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Add Outs with Wrestling, uh, We Need Wrestling. Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Hit My Music, new episode coming out this week, uh, David Interviews, uh, close personal friend, uh, Hollow Wicked, and that's a real fun interview, uh, Porch Talk, Wings on Wings, and uh, Final Wrestling Place on Hiatus. Mm. I don't know, perfect time to fill in the slot on the schedule with an NFL football podcast. That is true. I'm just saying. You got nothing to do, right? No, just watch one game and I'm good. <laughs> uh, you can also check out some friends of the show and the stuff that they're up to. Uh, Kevin Hellion's Mass Library website. He put some reviews up of some other indie books and some uh, weird like blind box thing of DC Comics that he got at Ollie's this week. Oh. Uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, all those uh glow in the dark and resin sci-fi fantasy and wrestling figures that he does uh chris runts battle monsters jason sandberg's jupiter listeners of the show who made their own comic books self-published their own comic books both of those are available uh over at comiXology you can check out our comic book shop comics on the green if you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. I'm going to say comic book shop just as many times as I say gummy. Uh, They do have a mail order subscription business, whether you get your books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. This is going to guarantee that your pull list gets cleaned out and sent to you in a timely fashion. 
And you might even get a sketch uh, on your package from our good friend Becky. You could go check out her work, her commissions, her process on all of her social media. And all of this stuff is linked up in all uh, all of the uh, show notes for all of these episodes. Yes, sir. Uh, digital stuff this week, if you're more of a digital uh, type of person. And I'll say this, it's the beginning of the new year. I know a lot of people were looking at like the DC the Marvel, the comicsology, like subscription services. Um, you know, obviously there's pluses and minuses to all of them. If you're not concerned about like day and date stuff, you know, uh, look into those subscription things. They're usually like, I think like what, six? Well, I think they're like three to four months behind now, right? Mm -hmm. Used to be six months. I think they're like now three to four months. But if you're not, if you're looking to get a little bit more bang for your buck, if you want to say like, hey, I'm going to spend X this month, but I might not get around to reading everything, look at these sales because there's always great stuff in these digital sales if that's what you're more looking forward to. A lot of stuff left over from last week. Uh, IDW, Dynamite, Boom, Valiant, Abstract, uh, Dark Horse is all having like line-wide, holiday, whatever, like non-focused sales. So there's tons of stuff that you can get from them. Uh, Dark Horse still having their Matt Kind sale. Titan uh, having their Blacklist sale. Image having a sale on Spawn Comics. Dark Horse having a sale on Joshua Williams and stuff. Uh, I know Todd is and has been a fan of his run on The Flash. Uh, mm -hmm. Williamson just took over Batman. So this, I don't know if that first issue of Batman is in there, but if you want to get a taste for some of his stuff, you can definitely check that out, especially since DC typically hasn't dropped the price on their, their books digitally, like most of the other companies do. So this is your best opportunity to get some of those books at a lower price. And, mm -hmm. uh, Marvel is having a Dan slot related sale, uh, Ooh. where it's the books of Dan slot. And that does cover quite a bit. Um, and anytime a Dan slot sale comes up, I'm always going to tell you, always, <laughs> always, always going to tell you to get superior Spider-Man. Uh, right. one of the best comic books published in however long you can get the entire 20 some plus issue run, uh, for like 18 bucks. I say 20 some issues. Uh, it doesn't clearly say, I, I'm sorry. Uh, you got 31 issues plus two annuals for, uh, 18 bucks. Good deal. And it's one of the best comic book runs. One of the best Spider-Man runs in forever. Yep. Uh, not like the one that Todd made us do for last year. Um, yeah. <laughs> made. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Hey, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I'll divert things over to you. Uh, where would you like to begin? I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which is the human target, uh, number three by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Um, the book starts out with, uh, you know, the human target thinking about his day from the past issue with ice. And then he's, uh, woken up, you know, abruptly, by Guy Gardner, who's basically telling him, like, stop hanging around with my girl. And he's, like, trying to give him the brush off. Things go, you know, smoothly because Guy Gardner's so level-headed. But, uh, you know, uh, Human Target's like, mm, I got I to gotta do something about this. But uh, he wakes up, 
and it's ice shows up again. She's basically so far being his like liaison to the other members of the league. It looks like, and she ends up going to take him to meet booster along the way. Once again, guy gets steps in and some stuff happens. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, I originally thought booster was selling donuts by the cover, but I definitely, his gimmick definitely gets the Todd nod in this book, Joe. And he ends up having a conversation with him. Um, but it seems like uh, it's, it's very weird. It's very nonchalant because it's more, um, ice and him having a conversation and, but there's some stuff with, uh, the ingredients to the food that, uh, boosters making that human targets like, Hmm, maybe this has something to do with the fact that I've been poisoned. Um, he gives booster a big old handshake as they're leaving and goes back to the hotel and there he, well, before he gets there, he gets drops off, uh, ice at her place and she's kind of inviting him in kind of a deal. Um, and he ends up going, but he ends up going back to his hotel. Once again, guy shows up, wants, you know, uh, you know, to take him down for what he's done, ends up, you know, punching him and Hal shows up because, uh, guys kind of like, or not guy, human targets like, yeah, I know the one person he's afraid of. Um, and he uses this or maybe something else. There's a whole bunch of stuff. I don't want to give away where he ends up basically doing something to get guy off his back to figure out who was the one who was trying to murder Lex Luthor and basically then doing the human target. So the way he gets guy out of the way is super interesting and was really cool the way they did it. So, uh, once again, I'm going to say, I, I love this book. And there's one little thing that I didn't notice until I just did it now is on the back, they have the calendar of the pinup girl and each week, every each day, cause he's only got so many days to live. They X off a day, but so far, I just noticed that there's he's coughing up blood on the back of the book. So each like day, there's a little bit more blood on the uh, pinup. So I don't know. I just little things like that. I love. Uh, I don't know. This book was made for me, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, Greg Smallwood is definitely killing it on art. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fingers crossed. One, it sticks the landing, and two, it stays on schedule. Mm-hmm. Um. Kind of to work backward from some of the stuff that you had said, um, was uh, Chance's plan in regards to Guy Gardner, I think would have only worked on Guy Gardner. Yeah, wouldn't have worked on any other GL. Uh, I don't know if it would worked on really anyone else. Um, <laughs> okay. And just saying, I lo- listen, I love Guy, but, you know, Guy ain't the uh, sharpest uh, knife in the shed, you know? He ain't the most charged ring in the core. That's know? right. And I, I, I maybe take this as a personal affront when I look at the solicitation text for this issue. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of times I don't read solicitation text for a book. I'm like, oh, I don't want no spoilers, but I'll maybe read it afterwards. It says, Christopher Chance is a man on a deadline and working to solve a crime that might be unsolvable. Despite his better judgment, he's falling for his lead suspect. And her violent ex-boyfriend isn't happy about it. Oh, and that ex, he's a Green Lantern. And I'm like, okay, I understand that you're not saying who the ex, or who the, who the, uh, the, per, the lead suspect is. Um, but if you're talking about DC Comics and you're talking about ice, if it ain't fire, it's Guy Gardner. Right. And I understand you got to fill a word quota in some of these solicitations. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I take it for granted that 
everyone who reads comic books just don't know that right off the top of their head. Like, you know, you know Batman's origin, you know Spider-Man's origin, and you know Guy Gardner's lineage, right? Yeah. These are the top three things that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. But like I always say, just real quick on Guy Gardner, I know so much about him that his second appearance is in GL87. Whatever it is, it's the first appearance of Jon Stewart. And me and a couple other people say, that's not the first appearance of Jon Stewart. That's the second appearance of Guy Gardner. (laughs) That's why that book's worth money. I'll say this. um, It's interesting. I didn't really get, like, I got the feel that Ice would have been a recurring character. Mm -hmm. But I didn't get the feeling from issue two that she would be... Like, the co-lead, I guess? Right. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. Um, I do want, if and when Blue and Gold ever finishes up, I'd be okay with an ongoing series of just Booster's Adventures at the Bagel Shop. Oh, did you know his bagels aren't pre-toasted, Joe? <laughs> That's the thing that makes them good. <laughs> and uh, the other thing is, uh, obviously, I, I feel as though the secret investor is a red herring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just going to amount to nothing. You know, uh, Ice kind of says, it's like, well, it's very clear it's Ted Cord. Um, but I think they're setting it up in the book that it's like, oh, well, the secret investor is going to be blank, who's the person who's been behind it the whole time. But I think the secret investor is going to be blank, which is just going to be like a joke. I have this weird feeling it's going to be Max. Okay. That he's not so much of an investor. It's the same way they built Club JLI. He built Booster built somebody out of money. There's no investor. He built somebody. <laughs> and maybe it's Max. You know okay. I mean? or, or maybe it's he built Lex out of it. I don't know. But I also have, and I'm thinking about stuff. I have a front runner of the JLI group that I want that that's that in my mind, if he makes it one of the group. I'm going to go with a certain character. Well, I, you know, obviously, I, I do see that Nort is in the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the picture that was, you know, the big spread page from issue one. And also, like, hanging on the wall in uh, Chance's uh, uh, motel that he's in. Mm-hmm. So, is it Nort? Do you want it to be Nort? I don't think it's Nort. Okay. Um, I think it's Dimitri. Aha, interesting. Because the Russians are known for poisoning their enemies. See, a certain guy won't mention his name because I don't want to get poisoned. Okay. But you know what I mean? Yes. I could see, like, if they're if they're going to make it somebody in the group, they're going to make it somebody who's not a household. Like, obviously, it wouldn't be Batman. It wouldn't be Martian Manhunter, I think. But you can get away with making it. Uh, the rocket red and it'd be okay but that being said i you know i'm hoping it's none of them because that would break my heart but i'm with you um i like seeing uh uh tom king's version of uh booster gold that isn't emotionally damaged from batman Mm -hmm. he he had booster gold down perfect in this book so yes um i'm hoping this doesn't turn into like a psychological like you know damaging book at any point yeah, you know, Booster kind of went through the ringer in uh, Heroes in Crisis, and I don't think they're, like, outside of, like, the Tom King, maybe this is Tom King's way to apologize to us for what he did to Booster in Heroes in Crisis. Right, to me personally. There you go. Right. The last issue, the last issue, the first page, if it just says, for Todd. <laughs> there you go. And there's no explanation, not who Todd is. 
but with two D's. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, the other book that we read this past week uh, was Timeless, number one, uh, written by Jed McKay with a ton of other artists uh, involved, Kev Walker, Greg Land, uh, Mark Bagley, and so forth. Uh, it's Kang the Conqueror, baby. And I can't believe uh, that Doctor Who would so liberally rip off from such a great character in stealing the companion idea from Kang. Oh, of course, that's what happened. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I'm making a joke because uh, I think this is the first time that they've ever established that all of his time hopping adventures, uh, that Kang has a companion, a regular person that he brings along with him from a different point in the time stream, um, just to kind of observe what he's up to. And I'm like, oh boy, Todd's gonna give me a bunch of grief for this because this feels like they're just ripping off Doctor Who. But no, that's not the thing I'm gonna give this book grief for. But go ahead. Do you know what the thing I'm gonna give this book grief for is? Well, what I was gonna say was, um, you know, I know it's kind of been hinted at and you know, kind of tiptoed around a little bit, but this issue kind of puts to the forefront like a real rivalry between Kang and Dr. Doom. And I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. Like, we're going to get Kang over. We're going to get Kang to the next level. Um, you know, sadly, on the back of Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom's the type of character in the Marvel Universe where he's established. He's a unique. Uh, there's very little that you could do to take that luster off of him. And if you wipe some of that luster off of him and give Kang a boost... Doctor Doom's still going to be no better or no worse off than when he was by being involved with Kang. But if he can help get Kang to be like, you know, and again, in everyone's eyes but me, a, a higher level tiered villain, then let's go for it, right? Sure. Um, so the reason that Kang chose this particular man, uh, what was it, Dr. Petrov or something? Yes. Uh, Dr. Petrov was reading or was writing a paper in regards to Dr. Doom being like the greatest villain or despot or whatever it is of our day and time. So <laughs> Kang is like, no, no, you can't do that. Uh, you have to write about me instead. And I'm going to bring you along to show you why I'm better than Dr. Doom. And while they're doing so, um, they're looking at all these different time streams and stuff that Kang has destroyed. And there's a time stream that Kang thought he got rid of that is attempting to re-knit itself back into the main timeline. Mm -hmm. uh, Kang obviously thinks it's his great rival, Dr. Doom, who is doing it. Um, and then our book kind of goes from there and spins out into a bunch of other things. Um, right. But like I said, it sets up a bunch of things that are going to happen in the Marvel Universe in 2022. Um, yeah, um, like I said, great idea in giving... Kang a companion because copy an A, get an A. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but, but now, the, uh, you know, I could do a bit here because I know how much you love them. I do. Where, you know, it's like, oh, Kang, you know, like, you you know, you think you're better than Dr. Doom or whatever. Um, The, the thought that Kang thinks he's better than Dr. Doom, all right, I can go along with that. I can go along with that because no villain is going to go, yeah, I'm second banana. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not going to happen. 
but it is a false, like, you know, it is the worst take in the history of comics. But I get what you're saying that, it, you know, he's not going to lose his luster. But is it a rivalry when Dr. Do- like, you know, it, like, if, is it a rivalry? Like, if two teams are like, oh, we're rivals, and one of those teams has 32, you know, championships, and the other one has two, it's like, oh, we're rivals. It's like, no, you're not rivals. You, you you're his rival, but I'm not yours, if that makes any sense. So that bit, and it kind of like, all joking aside, like, I'm like, I, I can't take this. I can't take Kang seriously after he said that. But it was a fun book. I, I enjoyed it. I like the idea. I like uh, the Petrov character and the sacrifices he makes, you know, in the book to do something. I'm like, the everyman, you know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, it's good. And then kind of like the revelation at the end. I'm like, okay, I can see where this is going now. Um, big things are going to come out of this. And I'm also a sucker for any book that does here is glimpses a la the Rip Hunter uh, blackboard. It's like Kang's looking at the things like I see this and he's with Petrov and Petrov's like, well, I see this and this might happen to Captain America and this might happen to Fantastic Four. And And I'm like, I'm a sucker for that every time. So I like that part of the book. But Kang, fifth banana, fifth best, you know, Marvel rogue. I, like I said, I, I think uh, it was charming mm-hmm. that Kang in the book thinks he's just as good as Doctor Doom. <laughs> That's as a good way. As a Kang fan, <laughs> I'm like, you're maybe like, like, it, I, so Kang is the candy corn of <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Doctor Doom is the Reese's peanut butter cup then? Dr. Octopus is the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Uh, Kang is the peanut butter, or I'm sorry, Dr. Doom is the uh, peanut butter Snickers bar. Oh. Yes. Still good, still good, but not the OG, not the uh, original, not the end-all, be-all, you know? You need help, son. (laughs) But I I, I like this. Um, I thought Kev Walker's art was awesome in this. It definitely was. Um, it was beautiful and like, I'm a Mark Bagley fan and I'm a whatever when it comes to Greg Land, but like when it was alternating between the other art, I'm like, oh, bring Kev Walker back. (laughs) Um, but there was like another thing that was teased at the end of the book that may tie into something that we discussed in the news. And you see, yes. The fact that like these books came out at like midnight on a Wednesday Eastern time, and I think Marvel themselves spoiled it at like eight oh one Eastern time. Yep. Um, let Marvel spoil their own stuff. I ain't gonna spoil it for you, but yep. it's gonna make things very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like this. Um, you know, Jed McKay was a writer I was aware of. Um. You know, definitely not like someone who was on the, like the 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 make dues or whatever it is. But if he's given like a year or two years or whatever it is that whatever the vision he has for Kang is, and he's allowed to execute it, I'm all for it. I really enjoyed what he did in this issue. I agree. We should execute Kang. No, oh. you, you can't execute Kang because there's so many of them in the time stream. Another one will just pop back up. That is true. Yep. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them uh, mailed to your home, uh, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. 
Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. It's a new year, so we're resetting the counter back to zero. Mm-hmm. So, Todd, you go first. I'm looking over your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most One Star Squadron number two? It is One Star Squadron number two. Mm-hmm. And if I'm looking at your list, there's a key word that jumps out on your books. Okay. But I don't know if it would be something that you would be, and again, I wouldn't say ready to, but. Hmm. I'll, you know what? I'll take the shot. I'll take the, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll play the odds. Uh, is the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week, Wastelanders Doom number one? It is not. Okay. Even though I'm a Doom guy, it is yeah, also. Yeah, I see one Dr. Star- Doom's name. I assume it's him. Right, One Star Squadron number two. Um, This Wastelander Doom book is uh, Old Man Logan's. They're, like, they're milking that till the end. Like That's yeah. like, been rebooted again, even though we've had those Old Man Logan and Old Man Hawkeye and Old Man... Uh, Star Lord things. I guess it's a fresh start in the old man Logan universe again, and they're doing one shots. And I'm like, Doom's in it. I'm buying it because it's his name. I don't know if it's the real Doom because in Old Man Logan there was a fake Doom. Just buying it to try it. But I'm re- I really enjoyed that One Star Squadron last last month. Yeah, and I'll be honest, with you, that was gonna be my pick because I know we both kind of gushed over it a little bit. But you know, <laughs> I got no, tricked I by you. Doom. You know, hey, right? Maybe if it was Doom Prime, then. But you know That's what I'm saying. True. If it is Doom Prime, will we come back and re-record this episode so that I was right? Sure, we could do that. But all the marshmallow will have been gone. By oh, then. that's true. Or that's circus true. peanuts, so. All right, so let's go ahead and update the rankings. Now uh, I lie for 51 more weeks, <laughs> and the dynasty begins. Uh, I had my fingers crossed behind my back when I said <laughs> I would uh, forfeit. Uh, See? Yep. It's been a long night. Uh, While while you're over at longboxheroes.com, you can check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark. And again, it's a new year, so all new stuff is starting. In the place of Todd and Joe have issues, we're not looking to read anything else, but we are doing something new. Uh, We are going to have a tournament to determine the silver standard of rogues galleries. Uh, as everyone in comic books knows, the Flash has the greatest rogues gallery in all of comic books. Uh, Todd feels that Batman has the greatest rogues gallery. I feel that Spider-Man has the greatest rogues gallery. Over the calendar year 2022, we're going to be a, doing a tournament pitting the different members of the uh, respective rogue ga- rogues galleries against each other. Um, and we're going to let you, the fans, vote. Now, the idea is that we decided to pick, like, the worst of the worst. Because um, mm-hmm. I figure you're only as good as your worst villain, your worst rogue. And when I run the gamut of all my terrible Spider-Man villains and one of them comes out on top, we can officially determine that Spider-Man has the second best rogue gallery all of comics. And, of course, Todd is feeling the same way about his Batman rogues. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yes, sirree. Now, we're not going to reveal the first round uh, of the tournament. We're going to kind of piecemeal it out to you. But when we get to the second round and everything is kind of determined and all the players are out there, we'll put the brackets up on the website so you can kind of see along and make your picks from there. 
Um, and we will, you know, there'll be a post about it on the uh, website. And in there will be a link to the Twitter, Longbox Heroes, uh, where you can vote on the poll for who made the best case of which villain is the worst. We're going to each make our case. You make your determination and you vote for who you think is the worst for whatever reason you think it's the worst. Mm-hmm. So why don't you kick things off here, Todd? All right. So my choice was Kite Man for this 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 bracket. Um, he's known as Charles Chuck Brown, Kite Man, a la Charlie Brown, you know, the kite eating tree. So right there, ha ha, we're, you know, we're in good territory right there. But his gimmick is he wears a kite and he can fly and he does kite like aerial base crimes because He's Kite Man, and he fought Batman, and I reread the first issue that he shows up in, and he, you know, ends up stealing stuff from a uh, a guy, his rubies, with a remote control kite, and then he ends up being, you know, followed by Batman back to his base, and he has kite gimmicks, and Batman turns the table on him by using Kite Man's own, and listen, and I say this, and I mean this 100%, his flashbulb kite, because obviously everybody should have one, and he uses that to blind Kite Man's henchmen, and then he uses Kite Man's own, and once again, not making this up, Kite Net to capture them all and kite man leaves in a kite plane that he has because of course is is it a plane is it a kite i don't know and batman hunts him down in one of his own kites and then puts him in jail and he puts kite man's kite plane on the wall of his trophies which i think you should just throw that right in the bat furnace if it was up to me and uh you know not not a very good villain man just if your gimmick is kites Oh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Joe. So I will say the one thing that you're the most lucky about in regards to all of this is that since this is the uh, clean show, I can't swear. Right. Uh, Because I think if I had the power of swears on my side, I would win every week. Right. Because my pick this week is the Demo Goblin. Now, Todd, we sit here and you've joked and said, oh, all of Spider-Man's villains are just animals, right? You've got the lizard. You've got the rhino. You've got, you know, all these other people. And none of them are really to you worth, you know, an all get out, right? Mm -hmm. But then you got your people that are like, oh, it's not uh, an animal. Or it's like an animal, but instead of being like an animal, it's the lady version of the animal. Or it's not Green Goblin, it's like his son, or it's someone else, right? right. So here's how deep this one goes, Todd, okay? Mm-hmm. So you got the Green Goblin, right? Norman Osborn. You got Harry Osborn, his son. Makes sense. Legacy, you know, you got legacy hero, why not a legacy villain, okay? Uh, Hobgoblin was a guy who found Norman's stuff, which is clearly green and purple, and for some reason, uh, we're led to believe that he, uh, Norman was working on this other orange and yellow character, right? Um, and that becomes Hobgoblin, okay? So we're already kind of like multiplicity in this, okay? Right. So then 
in the Inferno crossover, not even a Spider-Man crossover, okay? Mm -hmm. In the Inferno crossover, Jason McIndale, who was the Hobgoblin at the time, makes a deal with the demon to get more powers. But obviously the crux of this is he becomes more demon-like in appearance in that it's no no longer a costume. He's now become an actual hobgoblin, okay? Right. Then in the early 90s, through some sort of magicery, he's able to excise the demon out of him, and then that demon becomes the Demogoblin, a separate villain in the Spider-Man universe. Okay. How much worse does it get than that? Well, I mean, I don't think that's bad at all. Because I didn't want to give your character away. Could I have one second to talk about Demogoblin? Sure. Okay. So now, you're talking about how terrible Demogoblin is. Well, at least, you know, compared to Kite Man here. So I'm looking over his little thing, and here's some of the powers. Like, of the two now, he he's endowed with super strength, stamina, agility, reflexes, resistance to injury. He also has the magical ability to mentally control and levitate his one-man goblin glider composed of hellfire. And Kite Man, I have a kite. Like, you actually have some, like, cool powers. He could throw pumpkin bombs that he can create from magic that can have, like, smoke, and and he has razor rings. This guy has a, a child's toy. It's his gimmick. That is the worst of the two. I'm sorry. I will say Kite Man is essentially what if Batman, uh, instead of being bitten by a radioactive bat, was bitten by the radioactive tree from the Peanuts cartoons. And that's pretty cool. Anytime that you're bitten by a radioactive inanimate object, uh, whether it be like a tree or the moon, uh, and that's how you become a hero or a villain, pretty cool. Uh, He's got a unique look for a bat villain, that all green onesie with with essentially a bike helmet, uh, essentially. Mm -hmm. Safety first, so he's very conscious about that sort of thing. And I think where you're going to get bit in the end is in more recent years, in the Tom King run of Batman, he made Kite Man cool. And in the end of that storyline, he still end up like the whole point in the mod. I like that you brought up the modern thing is because during the, the what was it, the, the War of Jokes and Riddles, mm-hmm. the whole thing was he was created by the Riddler to make the Joker laugh again because he had lost his laugh. And even the Joker was like, this guy is so pathetic. He's not even funny. And that when you can't even make the Joker laugh, who like is a laughing hyena, you're pretty pathetic. So, and wasn't your character, like, aren't you literally saying yours was bitten by a radioactive goblin? No, no. So what my guy is, is if you were able to somehow take the bite out of a guy and then turn the bite into a living breathing villain mm-hmm. that's what my guy is and that's pretty lame the bite is cool but when you take the bite out of the person and try to make the bite sentient no go right right i i don't know i just think literally i have a kite <laughs> it's one of the most saddest things and pathetic things i've ever heard in my life so and you I- mentioned the you mentioned the joker thing i think the joker's name might be ironic i don't think he really laughs because it's funny you know you don't know. He's the Joker of Batman 
villain. So, well, as whatever the case, Todd and I make, uh, it's up to you, the listeners. We're going to put the poll up on Twitter. You vote, uh, you vote for who you want to go on in this tournament. Um, like I said, I say vote for the demo goblin, uh, pretty bottom of the barrel. We're like five copies removed from a top tier villain period. Not even just a Spider-Man villain, just a villain period. Uh, so kite man, like I said, you, they, they've made an attempt to make kite man cool. And I would argue to say that it worked. I defy you to have a writer who has a demo goblin pitch in their back pocket. They all have a demo goblin pitch in their back pocket, but because Sony owes Spider-Man, they won't let him use it. I'm all like, right. They don't want to give that away for free, you know? That's right. Save that for the silver screen. We'll just keep, we'll make the movie and then we'll just keep pushing it back. Yes. Uh, so you be the listener. We'll give the results here on the show next week and uh, we'll give you the next uh, round matchup. And uh, again, no, no teasers, no spoilers for it, but it can be very difficult to, uh, uh, for Todd to, to make a good case for his character. Joe, you Batman has the Silver Age, man. So different than Spider-Man. Silver All Age. All right. I'm just saying. It'll be you know, it's gonna be very different. I think uh I think we might see an all Spider-Man uh second round. Hopefully your your guys that gotta buy are super you know are super ready to go. <laughs> You're carrying a lot of weight is all. Right. I'm telling you what picture you're using for Kite Man. That's all I gotta say. I already have it picked out. Uh, yeah, that's the modern one, isn't it? No, it's not. It's the old school one. Okay, fair enough. I because I figure you have control. You're gonna you're gonna kind of like eh, like I, I know you. I know your your type. You hang out with that Adam Van. I know oh, what you're don't don't paint me with that brush. How dare you? <laughs> Here, let me see if I can. You doing the screen share? Yeah, I'm gonna screen share and show you here. It even says his name, just in case you didn't know. Right, Charlie Brown? No. Do you see? Uh, it didn't pop up. I don't see ah, that. Perfect. There you go. It's perfect. Hey, That's hey. the one I was going to send. It's in, this ain't my first rodeo, all right? I don't know. I think you were going to give me the slick clay man one. It was actually tougher to get a de- Like, I wanted a nice shot of how terrible the design and how 90s and bad uh, the, whatchamacallit, uh, the Demo Goblin was. And when I looked, I'm like, this is, if I want my guy to win, I'm picking the lamest picture and the coolest picture for your guy. And I feel as though I've done so. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not have any art attacks this week. All right. Well, mention longboxheroes.com, uh, of course. You can head over to our store. Uh, you can purchase shirts and pins and stickers uh, directly from me. Uh, I don't know. I just got like a PayPal system set up. Um, you know, that's how those so- sort of things work. You can sign up for our Patreon. It's the beginning of the new year. We did have a bunch of folks sign up over the weekend. Uh, we appreciate it. We will be recording Previewing the Past. January 1992 this weekend. The $5 up folks will be getting it this weekend. Everybody else will be getting the season finale of Six Never Seen Movies, uh, which was me watching The Matrix for the first time and discussing it. And we got a lot more uh, coming up, of course, here for you in 2022. A dollar a month, $5 a month. 
You get those same two bonus shows. The $5 folks just get them two weeks before everyone else. And the $5 folks also get After Dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Uh, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through banner at the top of the page. Does not cost you anything extra. Uh, gives us a little bit of a kickback. Um, I say the less money going to Jeff Bezos, the better. Mm -hmm. um, and I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month. You should sort of say at the beginning of the month, because like the way that the things have to clear and everything. I just like saying at the end of the month, uh, when Todd gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the click through this past week include uh, somebody purchased an Amazon $50 gift card. And uh, if you're doing the uh, the uh, gift card opportunity, then I doff my John Cena cap to you. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody also purchased the World Wrestling Entertainment Funko Pop of Asuka with green face paint, as well as the uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Asuka Elite 87 action figure. Uh, Asuka's cool. Her designs are awesome. And, uh, you know, Bill McKenna puts a lot of time and effort in to make sure that all the deco hits are there. Nothing is sacrificed when it comes to an Oscar figure. Everyone else, eh, maybe a different story. No, I get you. Uh, so I'm looking at our list. Um, we covered all the football stuff on After Dark. Yep. Last hey. week. Uh, next week's the end of the season. So yeah. we'll have a winner next week, I guess. I think you're the closest of like anybody on the the network that has a show uh, to win it, right? I believe so. Yeah, I think I looked at it today. I think you're third place overall. I did not get the exact number, but uh, I'm close. Hopefully, yeah. So good luck this weekend to both you and the uh, Pigskin Pickums, and also you and your uh, precious Raiders. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that being said, let's get into some spoiler-filled talk of the Boba Fett show and the Doctor Who show. Sure. Well, you want to start with uh, Boba Fett because that I'll was first? I'll start with Boba Fett since that came out first, the new episode of that. We're always going to be like a week behind with those sort of things, you know? Right, yep. Uh, just because they come out literally as we d we're done. Uh, Recording. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is a continuation of what we saw at the end of the most uh, recent Mandalorian season. And this is a story that's told both in flashbacks and also in current day. Uh, the flashbacks are more so of how Boba Fett got out uh, of the Sarlacc pit, uh, being accosted by Jawas, <laughs> uh, being accosted by sand people. Uh, having to deal with the Gorindin, all those sort of things, all the while uh, while Boba Fett is in current day in his own, uh, what do they call it, a back to, uh, I wrote down back to tank, but they said back to pot, uh, back to pod, a tank would be more upright, the pod, of course, being laid down. Right, I think the tank was what Luke was in Empire, yes. this is a pod, yeah. Uh, so he, Boba Fett, is awoken out of his slumber because a bunch of people have shown up to pay tribute to the new crime lord of Tatooine since Jabba was killed at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, Top-tier Star Wars character Bib Fortuna had taken over in Jabba's steed. And in the saddest moment in the Star Wars universe, when Bo Bib Fortuna is killed off by Boba Fett, and Boba Fett takes over. Um, Boba Fett is like, hey, man, I'm a guy of honor and valor. I'm going to do things differently. 
And, you know, when you're a crime boss, that always works out very well for you. Um, we get to see a lot of his interactions with the folks of Tatooine and how he is doing things so differently against the grain of the way that the Huts and Bib Fortuna had done so. Um, the mayor doesn't even show up. The mayor sends, like, a guy in his steed. And boy, howdy, did I want to smack that guy. The Twi'lek? Yeah. Uh, let me just say, of all the characters in this in this episode, I really liked the Twi'lek because he had such a smugness to him because he shows up and he's like, because everybody's bringing tribute and the mayor's like, and Boba's like, yeah, my tribute. And he's like, no, 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 you misunderstand. You're supposed to give us the tribute. And Boba's like, I'm going to give you, you know, a, a bone, a, a tribute. I'm going to let you leave here with your life. And I like that the guy doesn't even miss a beat. And he's like, ah, that's very gracious of you. But don't be, you know, don't expect another visit from the mayor. And I'm like, I love this sleazy guy. And since they never give his name, I'm just going to call him Bib Fortuna done right. Oh, how so dare you? I, I just love the character. And I love the fact that Boba... Uh, pardons the two Gamorrean guards who have been left around since Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so, and I think those two Gamorrean guards are played by like MMA type feet people, as they should be. Yeah, uh, I did like that bit. I did like that eight D eight, the guy who used to run the droid torture chamber at Jabba's thing is still around. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of his. So, um. Now, are we led to believe that this is supposed to be like the old school Moss Eisley Cantina? They do call it what the sanctuary, I think. It's not most. It's not because they're not in Moss Eisley. They're in another town. That's right. That's right. Uh, but it's supposed to give you like the feels of that, you know? Yes, it's like all the towns because they showed a couple of the other Moses and like other things that the, all the towns are pretty much the same looking. Right. Um, while. Um, uh, Boba Fett and Fennec go there. Uh, they're like, oh, well, we'll take your helmets. And like, you know, Boba Fett's like, well, you guys are going to be under my protection. Everything's fine. And then when they get their helmets back, Boba Fett's is filled with money. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, this how is this how a bribe works? I'm not really sure. Right, his helmet uh, is a little shinier. Yes. And then as they leave, they're accosted by um, a bunch of folks that just brazenly in broad daylight decide to attack the new crime lord. And we get, like, a nice prolonged fight sequence that I thought was really cool, really exciting. And, you know, obviously we're still getting the flashback bits. I like the current day stuff more than the flashback bits. Um, I wish the flashback stuff wrapped up here. We do get a little bit of a part where the Sand People, the Tusken Raiders, grab Boba Fett. And they're kind of treating him poorly. But because Boba Fett saves one of the Sand children. Right. Tuscan children, he's kind of um, accepted by them. So we're going to get a little bit more, and all of that's going to kind of intertwine, and I'm okay with that. I want more of the current day stuff as opposed to the flashback stuff. But I really like this. This hits all the basic sentimental feels that I have of this era of Star Wars with keeping enough new stuff in there for new people that came on board with The Mandalorian. I'm with you. I like the new stuff more. I think because there's not I I don't think there's much more you can do with the flashbacks. I think we'll see next week or whatever the next episodes them rocket forward through the sand people storyline. And that will get us to where he meets uh, 
the Mandalorian because I can't just, like you said, see five, six episodes or whatever of them, like sand people not talking, you know what I mean? Making noises and him like giving, getting respect from them. Um, the only other thing that I'll say is, uh, well, two things. One, once again, this episode makes me just realize how much I literally hate the Jawas. They're just dirtbags. Like when they find Boba Fett and they just strip him of his armor and leave him. And then when he drops the helmet during the fight, they just like, re they just fill their pockets and run. I'm like, oh, I hate the Jawas. Though I do think there's something wrong with Boba Fett because uh, obviously at the end of the episode, he's in the back to uh, pod because he got beat up by these guys. But what was he, you know, like fixing him? I think he has, the reason he's in the back to, pod is because he's sick from something and he doesn't want people to know uh because he, he was i don't understand what he'd be healing from beforehand do you know what i mean well i think he's just he's old he's beaten up and he's a clone that is you, true maybe he's got clone de uh, degeneration todd just when you thought you were done with clones oh oh so I just think it's a lot of things. I think that obviously Boba Fett may have expended a lot more of himself than what he even expected. And, you know, I think we're going to get to a point where I'm not going to say that Boba Fett is, I don't think Boba Fett's going to die in this, but I definitely think Boba Fett is going to get to a point where he is no longer able to rule and Fennec may become like Boba Fett in his steed. Right. Well, fair enough. While he needs to spend more time uh, in the back to tanks. Right. He has to go see a trainer to figure out. Right. How, right. Gotcha. And the mayor is the jackal, but then there's somebody oh. else. In, anyway, right. you're the one who keeps bringing up the other clone saga. Well, I'm off the W word, so I'm, I'm, in the, I'm on the clone word now. Uh, but I like this. Uh, you know, this was, a, you know, it was nice. It was light. It was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, even though they threw flashbacks into the prequels that don't exist. Uh, <laughs> give it a try. If you like Star Wars, you know, if you liked all the other TV stuff that they did, I think you'll enjoy this. Right. Fair enough. So, Joe, you ready to talk about uh, starting the year off right with the Eve of the Daleks? Yeah, I am. Oh, good. Um, so, basically... Uh, since the flux, the TARDIS has been like all busted up. So the doctor's like, Oh, I need to reset it. So I have to like set it to its factory settings kind of a deal, but, uh, we don't want to be in here. So I'm going to take us to like this luxury, luxury, like beach planet. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll wait until it fixes itself because if we're inside, we'll die. So she ends up setting it and like, we only have a few seconds. They run out. Um, because the TARDIS never takes the doctor anywhere the, uh, the doctor wants to go. They end up in, uh, in England during New Year's Eve, and they can't go back into the TARDIS. Um, so while this is going on, uh, I'm trying to think of the character's name. Sarah runs this uh, self-storage company, or Elf Storage, because the S fell off. And every New Year's Eve, Nick uh, comes in to put stuff in his storage unit. Um, because he's kind of sweet on Sarah and he knows that she's going to be there because the one worker who's Jeff, who's supposed to work New Year's Eve every year, lets her down um, so he can go see her. Um, more on Jeff a little bit later. Um, so while they're there, the uh, a Dalek comes in, ends up killing them all at, at certain points. And uh, a la, you know, a time loop, they end up 
becoming alive again. And so they go through this again and again, and each time they die and the doctor ends up realizing that each time they go through uh, the time loop, or as Dan calls it, Groundhog Day, he's not wrong. Um, they, uh, she realizes we're, we're losing one minute. And when we get to uh, the final one, you know, if anybody dies along the way, we won't be able to come back. So uh, along the way, uh, Sarah and Nick end up kind of like, she ends up belittling Nick thinking he's like a good hearted, you know, weirdo, like you're doing all this stuff because he's bringing stuff from the year before that he's dated somebody and he stores them in case they ever want it back. And she starts to think he's freaky because she's comes to, he comes to see her and he's like very stalkery, even though he's not a stalker, I'll defend that till the day I die just because he comes once every year to see a, a guy, a girl she likes because he's shy. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go down that road. I, I'm not. But in the end, they end up finding Jeff's stash of stuff who's not working. It's all uh, illegal stuff that Sarah had read off later that you can't store, which I found fun. He broke every rule. They end up using that uh, stuff to trick the Daleks by giving him one fake uh, time loop. They're like, we're going to say we're going to do this do everything differently. And then that'll fool them in the end. They come and they end up blowing up the Daleks getting away. Uh, and Sarah and Nick end up going off to see the world. But in this Dan ends up talking to Yaz and saying, I could tell that you really love the doctor. Um, I know you have feelings for her. She's like, yeah, I like, you know, you love her. I've, I've traveled to you four years. You look, you stood, you stared at that hologram. She's like, yeah, but it's kind of tough. So Dan, when Yaz is around, tells the doctor, hey, you know, I know, you know, you know, Yaz kind of loves you. And she, she tends, tends to play it off and, and Dan calls her out. But the doctor's very aloof, never really good with love and any incarnation. So I, it's never really going to work out. But uh, I kind of like that, that they've that they've opened that, you know, that door that they can go with. And uh, I just thought it was all around. I'm a sucker for the the time loop story, the groundhog day. It was a fun, easy, not brain melting doctor who story. Right. I'm with you. Very self-contained. Um, you know, obviously the more, you know, of the Daleks, the better I think. And even further still, they throw the bit in there with like the Daleks decide to like, we can now learn from our mistakes now. Mm -hmm. And even still, when they reference back to the previous season as to why they've come after the Doctor at this particular point, um, where it's a reference to, like, the big overarching thread from the previous season. But you don't even need to have seen that. They explain it well enough there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I liked the relationship stuff in this. And when the episode first started before I realized that it was going to be, like, a time loop thing... Right. And they end up killing off Sarah and Nick. I'm like, oh, I was really liking those characters. Mm -hmm. And then as it's established that it's a time loop thing and they're working on it, working on it. Um, I'm like, oh, I hope these characters make it out alive. I have a feeling they will, but I certainly hope they do because I've really, you know, gotten attached to them. Like I, I lamented last episodes, last season, whatever it was, that. There was too many new characters that were introduced, so you really couldn't get an opportunity to get attached to them or like them the way that the creators, the writers, whomever wanted you to.
But this and this little self-contained thing, you get these characters' essential full story. They can always come back and revisit these characters sometime in the in the future or never uh, mention them or bring them up again. Either way, you got their story here, and I think it was uh, fulfilling, right? Yep. I'll also say, um, maybe I don't have as close as an eye um, as you do or as the writers believe us to. Um, this is like the first instance of we're supposed to be aware that Yaz likes the doctor as more than a companion. I think so. Uh, what do you say? You don't, you don't think they showed it well enough or you think they did show hints of it? Um, I don't think they've, sh- they, they did well enough over the course of these, however many seasons that they've done. I thought during the six part flux, they kind of did. Um, they hinted at it. That it was, you know, her like staring at the, 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 like it was, uh, like little bits like in the flux that they were around for three years hunting down what they needed to do. And she's still looking at the hologram and I know your friends and everything. I don't know. I just thought there was some, a little bit in the flux, but it could have been more. I'm a hundred percent with you on more. Yeah. I don't know. I just think they, uh. Yeah, it just like when it was when what's his face? Who's the new guy? What's his name? Dan. When Dan brings it up, and it's just like, oh, were we supposed to have known this? Um, and I get it because he ends up saying he only knew it because he spent three years with her. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Traveling the world. And he's like seeing the way you talked about her and the way you mooned over her for like with that hologram. I, I know what's going on. I've seen it before. You know what uh-huh. I mean? And I waited too long with my girl. Don't you make that mistake kind of a deal. So yeah, it, it wasn't there. If we had, he only knew it because he he sat by her like all the time. And I, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, off screen isn't good, but it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I just think, uh, they they thought it was a little bit more uh, uh, clear than what we had uh, we had thought, you know. Right. Yeah, that's all. But but I like this. Like I said, as a self contained whatever, uh, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. Right. And just one last thing on that relationship. Like now is a bad time to start it with only two more episodes of the Doctor before she regenerates. Yeah. So, yeah, that's true. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Whether or not. You know, the doctor's going to be male themed or what? I don't want to get into the, you know, the, the detail with that, but uh, we'll see. But uh, I just want to say I, I really enjoyed Sarah and I think she was the face of this episode. The face? The face. Uh, but, I, I, I will say uh, early on there was like a couple close ups of her mm-hmm. and I wasn't digging her choices in eye makeup. Uh, well, we're different people. That's true. We are. <laughs> but, uh, so all we have next week, I guess, is just another episode of Book of Fett because Legends of Tomorrow hasn't come back yet. Right. Legends of Tomorrow doesn't come back until uh, not next... right until the 12th. Right. Which is the next time we record, right? Correct. Well, it's the way the, the 12th is Wednesday, but it'll be like, you know, like Fett comes out on the 12th oh, and this comes yeah. out on the 12th. Gotcha. Yeah. But then the 13th is when Peacemaker comes out. Ooh, yeah. So, th- so this week just one. Uh, next week three. Mm, nice short show next week. 
yep, for yep. two weeks. And I know there's other stuff that start, and I think uh, the Naomi series starts on CW. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, we just have to make you know sacrifices and decisions. We can't watch everything that's out there. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to watch the first episode, and if it knocks my socks off, we'll talk about it on the show. But like I said, it's next week. You got Naomi. You got Legends of Tomorrow. You got Peacemaker all coming back, and there's only so many hours in the day, you know? Right, but luckily they moved Morbius back, Joel. Right, uh, so Morbius, uh, again, gotten moved back from the end of January to the beginning of April uh, due to, um, you know, whatever's going on in the world these days. And a friend of mine, Kevin Marshall, I saw him before we started recording. Uh, He had a tweet from March of 2020 that said, calling it now, Morbius never comes out in theaters. Wow. Um, so he, <laughs> uh, he just, he said, uh, and like he just quote tweeted himself, said he goes, I stand by this. Uh, he said, COVID concerns my foot. This movie's a big old stinker and they know it. <sighs> Well, he is a, he is a Spider Man villain. So yeah. Well, again, he, no, is he on my list though? We'll see. Yeah, could be. Could yeah. be. All right, everyone. Thank you very much uh, for listening, hanging in with us. Everything else for episode five eighty eight of Long Box Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying we'll see y'all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.